I'm Dhiran Garrahi, and you're listening to The Laughs of Your Life, the podcast where I talk to influential people about laughter. From their first memories of laughter, to feeling laughed at, to the moment where if they didn't laugh, they'd cry. I have that experience from time to time. If something really lovely happens, or if you get kind of a pat on the back for something, um... I tend to maybe minimize it verbally and have a laugh about it because I am so actually emotionally uh, connected to it and so grateful that I really could cry. Writer, TV presenter and all-round lady, Mary Kennedy is my guest this week. She talks to me about growing up in Clondalkin in Dublin, finding solace on the Aran Islands and the importance of nurturing friendships. I hope you enjoy. Mary Kennedy, you are extremely welcome to the laughs of your life. Thank you, Darren. It's lovely to be here. I am delighted to have you. Um, my mom texted me. So my mom helps me with my accounts, right? So she texted me there and said, I need you home uh, to sign something. It needs to be posted today. And I said, Mom, I can't. I'm about to interview Mary Kennedy. And she, usually she'd write back. If it was anyone else, she'd be like, well, you're still be home. She was like, tell Mary I said hello. <laughs> All the way from Clare. All the way from Clare. Oh, that's so sweet. There you go. Um, so yeah, she often, anytime you look your, your, your most beautiful, which is pretty much all the time, she'll be like, you know what? I see a lot of myself in Mary Kennedy. <laughs> <laughs> She's probably a lot younger than I am. That's for, that's for sure. So there you have it. So that's the, um, my mom's fangirling out of the way. Mm. Um, I'm so delighted to have you here. I know you are extremely busy at the moment. Yeah, because we're in the middle of uh, Dancing with the Stars. And I mean, for me, it's just been an incredible journey. Um, I don't know how long we're going to last, but every single week, I suppose, is a bonus and an opportunity to learn a new dance. We have the best of fun. Speaking of laughs of your life, we do have a lot of laughs. And um, also it's a new skill. And it's for somebody of my age, I think it's nice to have a mix of young, middle and older people. Mm -hmm. And I also think it's nice to have a mix of ability from really, really excellent dancers to the likes of me, who's a total beginner. I do think, yeah, I think it's very important that people go on a journey. Yeah. And you don't want to peak too soon and you want it to be... <laughs> There's no chance of that. <laughs> That's not going to happen. But do you feel like it's been it's been a journey from the start? Like, say, stepping on the dance floor on Sunday, just gone compared to week one. Do you feel a whole, like, a different person? Physically and mentally? It is totally, totally different. It's still scarifying and petrifying on a Sunday night when you're just about to go live on the dance floor and every Sunday at about three o'clock in the afternoon I said what am I doing here why am I here I could be at home watching this by the fire with a nice glass of wine Uh, and here I am putting myself through this but it is so satisfying I love the week I love from uh, Monday to Saturday training and having a teacher as lovely and as professional and as expert as John Nolan is an absolute treat. But uh, I do see that there is an improvement. And and the lovely thing is that even though they don't kind of throw confetti or high marks at me, the judges are acknowledging that there is an improvement and that's all I want. That's all you want. Yeah. I, I think uh, John Nolan melts people's hearts. He has done from the get-go, but I think in terms of partnerships, you guys are a match made in heaven. You just seem to be pals and he seems to be so 
gentlemanly with you. And I think if it was someone kind of more pushy, I don't know if you'd like that, would you? I wouldn't be able for somebody <laughs> who's pushy. Uh, John is, as you say, an absolute gentleman. We start uh, training at eight o'clock in the morning and he comes in about 45 minutes before that to put the heat on. Oh, God, stop <laughs> Isn't it. That so nice. I can't deal with that. <laughs> and then on Saturdays and Sundays, when we're down in Ardmore, he goes to the, the canteen for lunch maybe first and he'll send me back a text and say can I bring you back something from the canteen anytime he's down there can I bring you back a cup of tea or a cup of coffee he is an absolute gentleman and he's he's also he's also very empathetic Mm -hmm. you know he he can know when you're nervous or know when you're uncomfortable and yeah I just think for for somebody who's so young I mean he is the same age as my youngest child Oh my God. Yeah, I know. But, but he, he has, has, yeah. He has a wisdom beyond his years. There's no doubt about that. Well, I hope you go all the way, Mary. Oh. <laughs> I really do. Next Sunday for me <laughs> is all the way. I take it week on week. That's I, the way to take it. Yeah. Not too seriously. Okay, Mary, your first memory of laughter. Well, my first memory of really having fun and laughing out loud was when my brother used to make us all laugh when after tea every evening we had to kneel down and say the rosary. (laughs) Why are you laughing at that? Because I can just picture it. It is that (laughs) one one person's shoulders start going and then everyone starts laughing. It wasn't just that. We had to turn the chair around, you know, and kneel kneel at the chair and he would be making faces through the, you know, the the uprights, the the bars of the chair. He would uh, kind of just push his chair to one side And then uh, latterly, if it was the winter, he would get up from his chair and he would turn the kitchen light off. And then my mother would be in the darkness and then she'd start to laugh. (laughs) It was just the most amazing thing. But what I think is very um, interesting about it is that that was a time when every evening you'd have your tea and then especially in the summer it was a pain for us because you'd want to go out and yeah, play straight out. and she would uh, you'd be thinking you'd be trying to distract my mother and you'd be saying oh you know so and so says such and such and we're going to play rounders tonight on the street and all this kind of thing and then uh, there'd be a little gap and then she'd say my, my father's name was Tom she'd say Tom hand me down the beads <laughs> And every that was night. Like, uh, oh, every single night. And if we were out on Sunday for a drive or visiting people, she'd say it in the car on the way home. Yeah, those were different times, Darren. I can tell you. It didn't do us any harm, by the way. Absolutely not. No. Because, you know, even if you're not religious now or if you didn't keep it up, it's discipline and it's mm-hmm. and it's a, a routine. Yeah. Um, but, but prayer is nice. Even, I mean, you don't have to be a practicing Catholic. I think mm. it's nice to pray. And she would always have somebody's, you know, intention in, in it. And she would say, well, we're going to say it tonight now for so-and-so who's not feeling well or so-and-so who's sad or something like that. Nothing wrong with that either. Absolutely not. And no, my mom would always, you know, no matter what happens, we'll leave it in the hands of Our Lady. Yeah. We'll leave it in the hands mm-hmm. of Our Lady. Mm-hmm. And there is kind of solace in that. Yeah, there's also, um, I think, a groundedness in that kind of ritual mm-hmm. and um, remembering and just like kindness. Yeah, there's a yeah. lot of talk about kindness these days. And really, uh, the way we said the rosary was an act of kindness yeah. back in the day. Yeah. Tell me about your 
your childhood and, and you know, the siblings. What was the story? I was the eldest right. of four. Mm-hmm. Um, my brother, the, the trickster, his, uh, he's John. Then there was my sister Deirdre, who's the one who lives on the Aran Islands. And then my brother Tony, who uh, is the youngest. Mind you, he's the youngest, but he's his... Uh, his youngest has just celebrated her 21st birthday. So, right. Um, yeah, we grew up in Clondalkin. Yeah. Um, my mother and her sister were from the city in around the cattle markets by the Phoenix Park. And they had a double wedding. And wow. Yes, they did. They had a double wedding and they bought two houses side by side, two semis side by side in Clondalkin. And they didn't go on honeymoon together, but they did go um, on a trip in Ireland and they did meet up during their honeymoon. And my 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 mother and my aunt were so very close, yeah. as were the two husbands. They became just like brothers wow. and they're both of their names were Tom. And yet they both called each other Jack. What? <laughs> I don't know. What I can't that about? But the thing they did was there was a, a wall, obviously, between the two houses and they uh, knocked down a style between the, the two houses. So we were really um, we were a double television family really, before, <laughs> before it was either fashionable or common. And um, we uh, it meant that on Saturday night, the Late Late Show was on uh, in one television and the Match of the Day beyond the other. And the men would go into one house and watch Match of the Day and the, the women would go in and watch the Late Late Show. And we always had Christmas dinner together and and we always went on holidays together. And were there ever any fallouts? No, no never. Never? No, no, never. And uh, my mother and her sister were subject to the marriage bar. They they left as soon as they got married, they left their, their work. Right. And um, they therefore were at home all the time. And they would have their dinner in the middle of the day. And until the day my mother, who was the first of them to die, uh, died, they would every single day have dinner in their own house with their family and then go into one house or the other for their cup of tea and their marietta biscuit. Oh my God. <laughs> Inseparable. Totally, yeah. Best of pals. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they were, yeah. As were the two men. And I mean, I consider myself, I'm one of four, but I had three cousins next door, three boys. And I, I really were, were like a family siblings. of seven. Yeah. Right, yeah. Mm-hmm. And what was it like being the oldest? Did you feel a pressure to be responsible or were you rebellious? I didn't need to feel any pressure because I was very responsible. I can imagine. I was a total (laughs) wear out. I was an absolute wear out. Oh, my goodness. They used to say, oh, there she is again. Oh, she's doing a bit more study. This would be for the primary cert. No. Oh, yeah, I was I was a very anxious person. I think probably there are elements of anxiety still in my personality, but I would leave nothing to chance. When I was studying for even Christmas tests or anything, I would be up in my bedroom and uh, my father used to go crazy because he'd be downstairs and he'd have the television on. And if I felt it was a little bit too loud for me to concentrate, I'd stamp my foot on the the floor and they'd hear and see so good she's at it again so some people would have thought you were the model child but you were actually just a little bit too much I was yeah I was very serious I suppose and took things very seriously I mean yeah but the others didn't right (laughs) but it got you very far well yeah I mean I I I Yes, I did well in my leaving cert, but why wouldn't you when you're doing six hours of study? This is it. This is true. Okay, Mary, the first time you felt laughed at, if you can recall. Yeah, I can't, I don't consider it to be laughed at, but um, there was kind of, there were people who would make you feel small or maybe bullied. And there were situations maybe in the schoolyard or in the village where there was somebody that you would be uh, wary of um, 
you couldn't say they were laughing at you, but they made me feel anxious and, right. you know, uncomfortable. So I would I would go out of my way to avoid them. I'd go. I still will go around the houses to avoid confrontation. I'm not good really? for anything. No. But that's that's OK. I wonder if that an eldest child thing, because my sister Avon would be similar. She really? can't deal no. with confrontation. No, I can't deal with it really either. I just get anxious and nervous and uncomfortable. And I'm just wanting to make it right yeah. straight away. You I actually Avon reminds me of you in many ways. Like, I think, you know, the career you've had, I can imagine Avon in years to come or maybe not even years to come doing something like Nationwide, because I think she's that type of personality where would you say I know you say you're you're anxious but would you say you're shy maybe at times as well I was a very shy child yeah. uh, my mother sent me to Irish dancing classes because I turned my toes in ask John Nolan <laughs> I still turn my toes in um, you'll have them out this Sunday <laughs> he, he'll, he'll kick them out <laughs> he is just on oh he's just <laughs> relentless when it comes to making things right uh, and she sent me to well speech and drama they call it now it used to be called elocution yes. but she sent me to elocution classes because I was shy right. I mean I could not go into a shop and ask for something without blushing and going red and uh, it's yeah that was the way I was so they did help definitely because you you know I'm still shy, but it doesn't stop me doing things. Yes. I was shy when I was having to stand up on the stage to do the fesh, to say my poem in the fesh, but I did it. Yes. Even though it was excruciating and you do it. It's a bit like every Sunday when I'm waiting to go out onto the dance floor. And, oh God, my heart is thumping and there are butterflies in my stomach, but you do it yeah. and you just kind of get into the zone. That's the way And it you is. know, once it's done, You'll oh, be so glad you did the it. The satisfaction yeah. is enormous, enormous. Okay, Mary, the moment when if you didn't laugh, you'd cry. Well, I have that experience from time to time. If something really lovely happens or if you get kind of a pat on the back for something, um, I tend to maybe minimise it verbally and have a laugh about it because I am so actually emotionally uh, connected to it and so grateful that I really could cry. Okay, yeah, I see. And it's, it, it happens. I mean, it has happened a few times since I started doing the dancing with John where you'd be, you know, doing something over and over and over again. And then all of a sudden he'd give you a high five and say, yes, nailed it. And I could just very easily cry. I used to in the very beginning, but now I kind of laugh. Like, <laughs> now you're like, I am a pro. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Getting there, John. <laughs> I love that. That's a that's a that's probably the first time someone on this podcast has looked at it that way. Mm. You know, usually it is a thing of, oh, you know, at my dad's funeral, there was this moment. It was wasn't even that funny, but we all erupted. But mm. I love that. So it's yeah. and I think it's quite an Irish thing as well. Mm. We yes. when we are complimented on something, or if someone acknowledges something we've done, we go, ah, no, no no way you know absolutely and it's because you don't want to feel I suppose you, like feeling the pride for yourself kind of mm. it would make you emotional yeah yeah it does very much so uh it it does it is a very emotional just pivot mm -hmm. and uh yeah you kind of uh diffuse it you diffuse the moment by smiling or laughing uh rather than you know getting all emotional and, yeah, and shedding to the tears. a tear yeah Okay, Mary, your no laughing matter moment. Now, I'm going to jump to conclusions here and say maybe 
your burnout has something to do with this? Because that is something you've been very open about. But maybe I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, well, there, were, there, were, there have been lots of no laughing matter moments. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, a time when, I mean, I was actually working as uh, a teacher in France when my father died playing golf. And that was very sudden. And he was 59 years of age. And that was not uh, a laughing moment. And it was absolutely traumatic. Um There have been times when, yes, I did suffer from burnout um, and it was very difficult now. And I don't like to uh, kind of say that it was a, a, a thing that was very big for me. I actually caught it very early, mm-hmm. but I was feeling that I was running on empty. I was um, sad, uh, low and just not feeling the joie de vivre that I would normally do. So it was actually a time, um, it was so fortuitous to hear an interview on radio at a time when I was feeling, I really, I can't do this anymore. And to actually take action and go in, book two weeks off and book two weeks off with nothing planned. And when I went home and said it to my children, they said, you won't be able to do two weeks with nothing. Now, they were probably right. I probably got to about 10 days. <laughs> but um, I hadn't planned a trip away or something like that because I was going back to back. I was going back to back with work. And then when I wasn't at work, I was trying to maybe do a trip um, or catch up with friends because uh, I do like do think it's very important to nurture relationships and mm-hmm. to stay in touch with people. And if I had three days and, you know, it was an opportunity to go and stay with a friend I hadn't seen for six months, you know, I, I, I would do that. Mm-hmm. But you can't keep going forever. You have to take stock. I'm much better now, much better. Also, I would say um the the time when all the children left the house. Now, they, they do come back from periodically now. There's, um, <laughs> when they're hungry. Well, no, no, they just <laughs> are. I mean, Lucy, my youngest, is away because she's um, a photographer and she's back from time to time and she comes home. Um, but she was living away. Even my eldest daughter, who's married and living in Limerick, they're doing up a house. So she and her baby are staying with me at the moment. So there are those. But when they all, first of all, leave the nest, That was no laughing matter. That was very difficult, particularly when um, I wasn't in a relationship at the time. And also um, I'm divorced. So like it was, it was lonely. It Mm -hmm. was very, very lonely. So uh, that was no laughing matter. But, you know, um, I think it's important to have light and shade in life. And I think you don't really appreciate happiness and good things if you don't feel the the pain of the, the less happy times as well. My sister lives on the Aran Islands and I love going Which over there. Which island does she live on? She's on Inishmore. Wow, okay. Yeah. And I love going over there, particularly in the off-season. And Deirdre is into, you know, Celtic spirituality and all that kind of um, uh, reflective life. And that's very nurturing and very healing. But I also go to uh, a counsellor. And I've, I've been going to a counsellor on and off when there were periods of problems mm-hmm. in my life. But now... After the burnout phase, I decided that I want to be going to a counsellor when times are good as well, because it's uh, it's a time of um, you know, taking stock mm-hmm. and being, if you like, grateful for the and exploring with a counsellor who is objective and who's not one of your friends who will always tell you you're great, no matter <laughs> what. You don't want that, who will um, say to you that it's important to explore 
why things have happened. You're not just trying to get past a crisis. You go back and you explore and you realize why some things work well in your life and why other things don't. I really would recommend that. Now, I know um, they can be, you know, expensive, but there are there are lots of groups where you can do that kind of thing in within community as well, which is not as expensive. And I would go maybe once every five or six weeks now just oh, okay. to take stock. Yeah. yeah, just to check in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I suppose, yeah, when times are good and you go, it almost arms you for the bad times. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And also um, in, in a relationship, I think it's nice um, to have maybe kind of couple counselling when the times are good so that you can just maximise all of those nice things that are happening and not allow little cracks to occur without having them discussed and explored. Well, on relationships, Mary, the person you always laugh with. It mightn't be your rela- <laughs> any kind of relationship, any friendship. I Well, I must say I have the, the best group of friends and family and nobody takes themselves too seriously. Good. I mean, I have a group of women. We actually got got to know each other by uh, traveling to Africa and we call ourselves Manana Africa. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> <laughs> and we get together. Oh, my goodness. The um, the the crack we have, we just laugh and laugh and laugh. Um, uh, and uh, family, yes, and also my partner, yes, uh, Tom. We I've, I've, we've been together now for more than a year, and it's just delightful. Yeah, cool, just lovely. You mentioned Africa there and your travels. Mm-hmm. How many? Do you know how many countries you've been to in the world? Seven. <laughs> in, in in Africa, seven. In seven. Mm, yes. oh, sorry, in in Africa, seven. Yes. But in the world. Oh, I've no idea. <laughs> My God. Know. But you obviously loved to travel I, or love to travel. Well, I know you've been to Africa as well. I just love Africa. Mm. I just, I love the the dry heat. I love the, the monsoon. I love the, um, the, the people, the, the, people um, the the smells, um, the the animals, the the joy. Now, there's there's there are people to laugh with. Yeah. I mean, they have nothing. They have very, very little. And yet they're the most joyous people. You go into a village and there's a whole committee there to laugh you in and sing you in. And and yet they are uh, resourceful. Um, they they really pull themselves up. Mm. They they work so hard, particularly the women. And uh, they would do anything for their families. And there's no waste. Uh, one observation oh. my dad made while we were there, I wouldn't have even noticed, but he was like, there are no dogs in Rwanda. And I was like, yeah, what's that about? Anyway, we asked the translator who was with us at the time. He said, if there were dogs, we'd have to feed them. We, d- we don't, we, we can't do that. We have to mm-hmm. feed ourselves. Mm-hmm. Well, on the subject of no waste, I can remember one of the trips that we went, I think it was uh, Malawi we were in, and we went in, the women of the village brought us in to visit in their homes to show us what their homes were like. And you know, uh, like a two litre uh, water bottle? Yeah. Well, we would have those with us and, and uh, give them to them. There was a, uh, a, a vanity, one of the women in the houses, and she had one of those... Uh, two litre bottles and she had made five uses out of the one Stop. bottle. Yeah. The base was a cup. Then there were the two cylinders in the middle and they were around saplings outside the front door. Stop. Yeah. The neck was upside down. It was actually up on a shelf and it was being used as a, a funnel, you know, so that you yeah. could. And the cap was for giving water to the baby that was uh, in her on her lap. Unbelievable. Five uses out of a bottle, a plastic bottle that we would throw away. We could learn so much. Yeah, definitely. 
Okay, Mary, next question. Are you finding this okay? Fine, yeah, yeah, I'm enjoying it. Sure, I, I talk for Ireland. <laughs> okay, well, Mary, a time where you had the last laugh. Yeah, again, I wouldn't consider it because if you say, oh, you had the last laugh, it sounds as if, you know, you there was spiteful. a confrontation and it was spiteful. Yeah, but uh, for me, I suppose the, the, the moment of laughter and joy having wanted something and not gotten it was the Eurovision because um, I had, I suppose I fell in love with the Eurovision when in 1981 when um, Diren, Diren Ivrine, actually your namesake, <laughs> was the presenter and I was brought in as an understudy because there was a possibility of an NUJ strike in which case she wouldn't be able to do it. Right. So I just said, wow, this is fab. I love this. And then that was 1981. Now the... Um, the next time I was in a position to like go for it was when we had the three in a row and Linda Martin won in Sweden. So it came back to Ireland. I auditioned because they were they invited people to audition. I wasn't successful. Fanula Sweeney uh, got the job that year. The next year it was back um, uh, because Niamh Kavanagh won in Mill Street and it came to the to Dublin to the point and I auditioned again and I was unsuccessful. Jerry Ryan and Cynthia Newark, who, um were the presenters that year. And then third time lucky if at first you don't succeed. <laughs> 1995, it came back again because uh, the rock and roll kids won. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I was the presenter. Woo! So it wasn't so much last <laughs> laugh because yes. that does sound a little bit, you know, negative. But it was a wonderful sense of achievement and joy and yeah, fun and laughter as well. What were those kind of nerves like? <laughs> World stage nerves? I can re- I don't remember them being as bad as getting out onto the dance really? floor. No way. No. And, and people say to me, why would you be nervous going out onto the dance floor? She did the Eurovision. And I said, when I was doing the Eurovision, I knew what I was at. <laughs> I knew what I was doing. This is so different and so outside the comfort zone. No, the Eurovision was within my comfort zone okay. and I was well prepared for it. I was there to present. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, there was wonderful rehearsal and you know nothing was left to chance. Um, there's wonderful rehearsal with the, the dancing as well. But um, I, I have it all in my head, but it's a question of getting it down to the beat. <laughs> <laughs> they don't always do what they're told. They don't. Well, we have to talk about Nationwide, I suppose, mm. even briefly. Mm. Um, what was it like to finally make the decision to say farewell? I didn't make the decision. Did you not? No, I didn't. No. Mary, did you not? No, I didn't make the decision to say uh, I, I'm 65. So therefore, and I was staff. Oh, yes. So I had to leave my full time job, which was Nationwide. And um yeah, so that was the story. Yeah, I never read into that. I just mm-hmm. thought there's not there's not a hope in hell that Mary can't even be gotten rid of. But no, it's just the system that it, that it was. Yeah, if you're staff, and yeah. to be honest, Darren, I would not like um, because I was, you know, more high profile than somebody say who's working in a different capacity yes. in RTE, but is also staff. Yeah. I would not like an exception to be made so that I could stay on in my staff job and that other person couldn't. No, that would really go against the grain with me. But um, I loved Nationwide. I really loved. I was uh, full. And there's a time where you'd have laughs. Oh, my goodness (laughs) me. Did we have laughs on that program? (laughs) Oh, I couldn't tell you about them. Oh, my God. They are such the best of crack, the best of crack and the most wonderful people and settings. And, you know, I mean, we the plowing, the tidy towns, going over to the peacekeepers in 
Africa, in, um, you know, Lebanon, in all sorts of places. It really is one of those programs where you just see the best of people. And yeah, well, that's the whole ethos of Nationwide is to highlight what's good and what's beneficial. And that's something that I think is really, really important within public service broadcasting, that there's obviously a need for the serious stuff and the analytical and the investigative, but that also to balance it, there should be a period of celebration Mm -hmm. and of encouragement and support. And that's where Nationwide really shines. And the dancing, is it, has it come about at a good time? Oh, like (laughs) I retired from Nationwide at the... um, probably Christmas Eve, the 23rd of December and on the 2nd of January was in um, (laughs) going hell for leather. People say, uh, do you miss Nationwide? I haven't even seen Nationwide since I left. But um, I mean, the dancing is just for a short period of time. But it was a wonderful way to transition from a full-time job to the next phase. And I mean, the next phase will be an adventure. I have absolutely no no kind of uh, fear of the next phase. I really don't. I I think there'll be nice things there. I have a grandson now and he's going to be living living in Limerick whenever their house is ready. Um, (laughs) But um, I I want to have that time. I want to like I have less time ahead of me than behind me. And I do not want to come to the end of my days and say, yes, I worked all the time. I don't want that. No, that's that, that shouldn't be anyone's plan. No, but there are some people who kind of get their their raison d'etre from mm. uh, from work and from being indispensable. And, you know, the late gay Byrne, Lord Reston, he had a saying always think the graveyard is full of people who thought they were indispensable. It doesn't make any difference. They'll all it'll always move on. Never a sure word spoken. OK, Mary, um, if laughter wasn't the best medicine, what would be? Love, I think, and friendship and um, people. Yeah, I think relationships um, are the most important aspect of our lives. They they nurture us. They um, keep us healthy um, and they keep us motivated. So love in 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 whatever form, like we had the a couple of weeks ago, Valentine's Night on Dancing with the Stars. And there was lots of emphasis on uh, romantic love. And um, I chose to dance to a song that my nephew wrote. And um, that was celebrating family love. Now, he's on tour and Lucy, my daughter, is with him. But yet it was it brought them into the the dance floor as well. Mm. And I mean, we'd only just come off the dance floor and the video was already in Atlanta where they where they were on tour and they were watching it and he was chuffed that I danced to his song so love family love romantic love having a partner all of these things um, I think are, are the only other thing than laughter um I think most people probably know now that Dermot Kennedy is your nephew. Mm-hmm. Is there major pride for him in the family? Oh, we're proud as punch. Absolutely proud as punch. Sure, he's great. Um, and like, he's kind of one of these people who has worked so hard at mm-hmm. his craft right from the time he was about 13 years of age. Uh, whenever there was a family ga- gathering, um, the guitar would always be in the boot of John's <laughs> car, just in case. <laughs> yeah. And um, and he busked and he 
He learned his craft the hard way mm-hmm. and then uh, he studied music in Maynooth and now he's, yeah, he's he's doing great. And, and I'm delighted because Lucy, Lucy, my daughter, is his photographer. Yes. So the two of them are, and there's only six months between them. Is she loving life? Absolutely. They're both loving it. And, you know, they, they were really, really close growing up because they were the youngest in both families. And like, as I said, when we were kids, we always went on holidays with our cousins. And when my kids were small, John, my brother and his and Claire and Dermot, their kids and mine, we always went on holidays together and we always have Christmas together. So it's kind of history repeating itself. So um, I would say my kids consider themselves one of six, uh, adding in Claire and Dermot. Um, And it's lovely for them because I think because they are so close, I think Lucy can get shots that are very candid and that maybe, you know, just a professional photographer wouldn't. Yeah be around all because they hang out together yeah. you know so yeah it's great okay mary are you ready for your quick fire round oh god we didn't i didn't get these to prepare, <laughs> did I? okay mary the comedian you always laugh at i love john bishop and okay. i love brendan o'carroll i actually had a cameo role in one of um uh, brendan o'carroll's videos tell me yeah, i was a po-faced <laughs> Talk about typecasting. <laughs> Poe faced a state agent in one of his videos. Oh my yeah, God. The best to crack. I I'd love say. him. He is just gorgeous. And Mrs. Brown's Boys is our Christmas go to in the family. We put on Mrs. Brown's Boys and my granddad, who's 95, he watches it and we watch him watching it because he's just oh, having a ball. Yeah. I hope he doesn't see himself <laughs> as poor granddad in Mrs. Brown's Boys. <laughs> no way. Um, okay. The actor or actress you always laugh at. Oh, um, as in a comedian? Yeah, well, whoever. Uh, I can't think. The movie then, if you think, what movie do you laugh at loud at? Oh, uh, Mrs. Doubtfire, definitely. Mrs. Doubtfire, that is a classic. I mean, this is quick fire. There are probably others (laughs) that I, that I would laugh at as well. But like, that is a classic. No one has said that and that's. A oh, perfect answer. The the, the point where um, they're in a restaurant at some point and uh, Mrs. Doubtfire is there as uh, the the husband yes. and then as Mrs. Doubtfire running in and out of the bathroom, <laughs> changing from man's clothes into women's clothes yeah. and oh, just perfect. Really, Robin really Williams, lovely. Yeah. A legend. Mm. Uh, you're a reader. Yes, I like reading. The book that you laughed at loud at? I don't read funny books. Do you not? No, I tend to read um, biographies. Okay. And uh, for work, I mean, uh, no, I don't read funny books. I, I don't have a huge, maybe it'll change now that I'll have more time. <laughs> I don't have, um, I haven't had a lot of time to read and I tend to read for work. Um like at the moment, I'm reading Tatty by Christine Dwyer Hickey because I'm doing a kind of a an open forum for One City, One Book with her. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a wonderful book, but it ain't funny. There's nothing funny about it. OK, OK. Uh, so, no, I don't uh, I don't read funny books. That's OK. And finally, Mary, uh, your best or your worst joke? And if you don't have one, we could just give a final plug to Dancing with the Stars and say vote for Mary. Well, that'd be nice. <laughs> Text, you don't need to be asked twice. Text 53125. <laughs> um, can't think of a joke. Well, I can, but I absolutely couldn't repeat it here. Why not? No way. Oh, we not have to hear it, Mary. No, no, not a chance. Okay, not going to well, happen. Do you know what we'll do? You can tell me off air. Not even that. <laughs> <laughs> it's a special from Anana Africa. <laughs> okay, right. Well, I won't force it out of you, but I will say text Mary to 53125 thank on Sunday evening when the line's open. Mary Kennedy, thank you so much for sharing the last I of really your life. I really enjoyed it. Really enjoyed it. 
Thank you for listening to The Laughs of Your Life. I hope you enjoyed it. If there's anyone you'd like to hear from, get in touch. Tweet me at Theron Garrahy. Don't forget to like, subscribe, rate, review and all those other things. This podcast is recorded in collaborative studios. <laughs>